Welcome to On Reserve, a podcast of the Independence Public Library in Independence, Iowa. I am Caitlin Britcham, Program Coordinator at the Library, and I will be your host. Each episode, you usually hear about the most popular books at IPL, some read-alikes, and a resource available at the library. This episode, however, is a special episode, produced in conjunction with our One Book, One Independence programming. In keeping with the themes of this year's book, This Tender Land, by William Kent Kruger, we have collected histories from residents of senior living facilities here in Independence about their time living through or just after the Great Depression. These interviews were recorded in a socially distanced way due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and therefore the sound quality isn't always clear. You may hear increased background noise or other sounds during the interviews, but we have tried to clean up the audio as best as we can in order for the stories to still shine. As you may have noticed, this episode is longer than most. I hope you enjoy these histories from the Great Depression. The first interview includes memories shared by Dale Buckman. Dale has lived at Lexington Estates for a few years now, having lived at home until a stroke required the need of additional supports for daily living. He had many stories to tell during our time spent together, and was proud to say that he had continued to cook, clean, and take care of his yard and garden up until his stroke happened. Dale was born May 7, 1928, in Hazleton, Iowa, making him 92 years young when this interview was recorded. Listen in as he shares about his life growing up southwest of Hazleton, Iowa, and then near Aurora, Iowa. Well, I had two brothers and sisters. Well, three brothers. I had a twin brother, but he passed away when I was young. He lived with him. Well, we called him, so I never knew him, of course. <laughs> I did. I knew him for nine months. I suppose he lived, I guess. But, uh, anyway. We had a good, we had a good time. No, we were always happy. The kids always seemed to enjoy it. We made our own fun. Mm-hmm. We had a big yard. We played baseball out there. Good neighborhood. Neighborhood kids come over and well Sunday afternoons always play ball. I said we made our own entertainment. The kids did. I mean, we got together with our cousins. We got to know our cousins better that way. And we can they get together on a weekend or something. We'd all get together. We'd always do something. Us kids always have something. Play something with some way. I had one uh, cousin, she I thought she wanted to, I don't know if she ever became one, but she wanted to be, get us all together, put on a show, play, you know, for the parents. And so she gets us all together. She never, as little boys, I didn't want to be part of her show. And, she wanted me to be in too over too good, but I usually end up having to do it. <laughs> I had very few toys. I think I call it a kitty car. It's kind of like a avoided wood uh, tricycle, three-wheel tricycle about me. What I want to when I want a tricycle, it's, the wheels are smaller. And you pedal a big wheel in front. We had little wheels on the back end of it. So it was, it was kind of a tricycle, but it was homemade. 
I think the only thing I never mind. Folks call me a Shetland pony. Oh, I love that pony. And that pony and I had, we got along good. Had a pony ride. I think that's what I remember the most. I, him and I grew up together. He was, I think, I was about two years old when I got it. It was a two year old pony, too. So we kind of grew up together. Tell me about your country schools that you attended. What was that like? Well, first of all, South Hitler, we went in there to Hook and I, or the Amish, I should say, residents of me. At school with Amish. Of course, they only went to boys. Didn't go to school in the fall and help dad, their dads at home. We went to school in spring the same way. When we got one spring warm weather, they pulled them out of school to work. And we had, but we went to school, but they were very nice. They were very nice to work with. They, we always got jealous I got to go to school. <laughs> How many grades were in the same room? Was it a one-room schoolhouse? One room, both of them were, yeah. Eight grades. Eight grades. Four teachers. <laughs> but some of the teachers done very good, but yeah, we just, you will learn too. You, will, you, will, you will wish you had them. <laughs> Do you remember your parents ever talking about what was going on? Oh, you know, talked about depression. I don't think they ever really realized. They've never been through one before, of course. I talked to my sister one time. She said, well, nobody had any money in the depression. Everybody was poor. Well, there wasn't a lot of money floating around like this now. Hadn't printed a lot then. Yeah. Anyway, my sister and I said, that, you know, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. Everybody else was too. <laughs> I always thought about both of all wondered how our parents made it through it fed us and stayed ahead on top of everything. Boy, it was a struggle, I'm sure, for them. I know I had raised help raise some kids. And uh, I don't know how hard it was when I helped raise children back when and, uh, I'm in the early 50s and 60s. And uh, it's tough going even then, you know. You had to come put someone to buy food with. You had to have food and clothes in the school. And then back then, it was not easy to come up with any money at all. I mean, it just wasn't. But we had plenty to eat. We had chicken. And we had, had milk, of course, we milked cows. And we had, dad had beef cattle, you know, butchered the beef. Which was a hog or two, so we had pork. You always send away everyone up to Green Bay and got fish. Make sure we had fish. My mother heard somewhere that she should have fish in a diet, so we made sure of that. Did your mom help out on the farm too? Oh, yeah. She, I remember she had a huge garden, but she was, us kids, was very important. She made sure we got a good mother. I mean, we got fed, we drank sure and we got fed with food. And our clothes were clean when we went to school. She was very meticulous about that. And she'd done a good job. Now they told her when my 
twin brother who died, was buried. The doctor told him I was going to get ready for another funeral. But I wouldn't make it, and I did make it. <laughs> but it was because of her, I think. She was pretty good mother, very good mother. She made sure I got what I needed, I guess. I don't know what it was, but remember she gave me about everything I had, that intestinal infection. Today, antibiotics took care of it, you know, bingo, gone. I didn't have that then. And uh, I remember giving the cow to the royal. Oh, I hated that stuff. And uh, anything she hear that might help, of course, she, gave, she got it for me. <laughs> Mother had a old wood stove boy, she'd fire that up. She didn't know how to do it. She'd make stuff in there. Well, you come out good. But the women and the women then never had a lot tough going, I think. Worse than the men. Well, because they said everything around the house was, you had to cut wood, fire the stove up, you know, blank bread. You may have to make your own bread. You didn't go to town and buy a loaf of bread, like you do now. You didn't go to town and buy much. You go to town and bought flowers, what you bought. If you had money to buy flowers, you're lucky. And you made all your own stuff. But no, none of these micro micro wave meals, none of those. Did your family listen to the radio? Yeah, we had a radio. My dad always had a radio. He had a, we got a wind charger out on the windmill to charge the battery to run it. Do you remember, did you ever listen to like President Roosevelt's fireside chats on the yeah, radio? I remember those. Yeah. Roosevelt, you know, he was supposed to be a great president, but he really got us in the war there in 1941, the Japanese. He knew about that, but he didn't tell the Army or Navy or anything. And, uh, but he wanted to get us in the war to get us out of, fresh, out of the Depression. The war got us out of the Depression. It wasn't the politicians. And put everybody to work. Everybody got what's working. I'm building ships of women, too, you know. And it's probably started getting a little money to spend. And it started changing. Do you remember, did your parents ever talk about President Hoover or anything that was going on during the Depression? I, I yeah, know you were a kid. About Roosevelt, of course, he was president. Nobody said much about Hoover. But Hoover done quite a little good. He started up the CCC camps and uh, built the parks and the dams, of course. And he, he done a lot of good. He was an engineer, of course. He Did done a lot of good, I think, for the country. Dale was drafted into the Army and served during the Korean War. He was in Korea for 18 months and earned three bronze stars for his service. He attended Iowa State after returning from the service and spent his career selling grain bins and other equipment. He met his wife of 32 years, Janet, at a restaurant she was running at the time. She had six children, and he told me he married a family, and their children still visit him as restrictions permit at the care center. Dale and Janet lived in Aurora for the entirety of their marriage and were active citizens in their community. Dale says that living through this time period of history taught him to be conservative with his money and with his physical resources. He was a joy to talk to, 
and I hope you enjoyed his interview as much as I did. The second interview includes memories shared by Ruby Kimber. Ruby now lives in independence at ABCM after having lived in Iowa for much of her adult life. She had so many fun stories to share, and her sense of humor really came across in our time together. Ruby was born on June 4, 1930, in Newport, Arkansas, making her 90 years when this interview was recorded. Get ready for a few laughs as she shares her memories of growing up in rural Arkansas in the midst of the Great Depression. Well, there was nine of us kids. There was three boys and six girls. Oh, he was, he worked on the farm and stuff. I look back now and think it wasn't much of a living, but I, I guess we all pulled through it. <laughs> you know, I remember my dad used to work for $2 a day. And that was money back then. But, boy, my mom, well, she worked at home. I mean, she had all these kids to take care of, and I think I never will forget one time. <laughs> we was, I was going to have chicken and dumplings the next day we get off of dinner. It was, and on Saturday, my mother, she used to like kill the chickens and stuff or something on. So she gets a rooster and she wings the next, you know, until it died. And then, and they had to, picked off those feathers yeah. you know, with boiling water. And so she put that rooster down in a pan and started pouring hot water on and that sucker jumped up and run out. I remember seeing those kids trying to catch that rooster down in the kitchen. Oh, God, I feel like I never forget that. I can still see it now. Oh, I love it. And then I remember how she used to wash clothes. I already thought that was a big deal. She let us help her. And we had this great big, I don't know where to Kettle? Kettle out in the yard, you know. Cauldron? That sucker must have held 50 gallons or something. <laughs> and that's why she built a fire on it, you know. And that's what she did the white clothes in. And, oh, I think I never, I never was so tired seeing wash clothes in all my life, hang them out on the line, you know. Oh, I would not want to go back and do that life again. She canned the leftover stuff, and uh, you know when you got time to can stuff to can. All all they had to buy water time was flour, sugar, salt, and stuff like that. You know the rest of the stuff she canned everything, and I remember it was for that big family. Oh, she used to make the best out of the soup I ever tasted. But, yes, we used to have a big, big, big garden. And I mean, us kids walked in too. At Christmas time, my mother would bake so much stuff. We'd have it from Christmas to after New Year's, a lot of pies and cakes. Wow. She was a big cook. And she, I mean, we all showed it to her. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is the ones I remember. We didn't have anything, but you know, back then they never even put up a Christmas tree until Christmas Eve night. No, uh, us kids 
we go to bed, you know, next morning we get up and we have a stocking under the, under the tree, maybe a doll or something. But, Lord, no, and we really thought we had something. But I guess we did back then. Yeah? Yeah. And it was, uh, now they never even put up a Christmas tree into, and that was mostly after us kids went to bed. <laughs> and the decorations was these little red berries you pick out in the food. They, we'd get them and strain them, pop them, straight up popcorn, mm -hmm. popcorn on, and those little red. Everything was eatable on there. <laughs> 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 you just get to thinking back, there was a lot of things that really didn't happen to you that you just forgot about, you know. How we lived way out on the farm, you know. And um, when the kids, when it got big enough, my brothers and them, when they got married and stuff, they always had dances on Saturday night. Oh. And we kind of lived for them. I don't know what happened that just That just stopped. It's about hard to give it a uh, have any, but that's about the only entertainment we had. It's too far to go to a theater. And we didn't have no car. The cars are always wagging, teeming wagging. Horses. And uh, one time my mother and dad, they, they went, to, uh, went to town to get groceries and stuff. They left us kids at home. And she used to make the best crowd. <laughs> she had this great big thing. She put them in, you know, and she called it ferment or something. I mean, she didn't have to cook it, it just didn't. And we got in that crop and we used a lot of that more than we ever get in when she got Saturday nights, we listened to the Grand Ole Opry on the radio. But no TV back then until about 1940 <laughs> or somewhere in there. But that old radio sure went, went. Then finally we got a TV and boy, that was just like really moving up. Ah, dear you. But them little black and white TVs sure mm -hmm. was, was pretty good back then. Yeah. 
There was a lot of good times and there's a lot of bad times. But I think the bad times overtook the good times. <sighs> oh, and then one time I got tedious. <laughs> this was when my brothers were still home. Yeah. He was always every one of us was in school but the baby. And then I was sitting by this old wooden stove one morning, you know, I was ready for school. And we had to catch a bus. I don't know, about eight or ten miles away. But anyhow, I was sitting there waiting for the rest of them to get ready. All of a sudden I started breaking out. I had the measles. <laughs> and I came. I was the first one to take them and I was the last one to get over. But every at one time, every one of us kids had the measles. Oh, your poor mother. Mm -hmm. My mother had three the three boys was in a room, one there and three of us girls was in another room and three was in another room. Oh I it's one of they had to kill me. But as I got warmer, well, I just, because I told my mother, I said, I don't feel like going to school today. Oh, yeah, you do. It's just in your head. I can still hear her say that. It's just in your head. Long I sat there and got warmer. She looked at me and she said, oh, my God, you got the measles. And where I got them, I do not know. In school, I guess. Every one of us kids had the measles at one time. And I tell you, my mother just run her butt off. She just... Just won't work. I mean, she's always doing something for one of us. And we all got, you know, and I, I was the first one to get them, and I was the last one to get out of But, boy, that was a mess. Oh, nine kids with the measles. <laughs> well, it's a good thing it wasn't mumps. Yeah. <laughs> but we got over them. It took, God, almost two weeks for me to get through with them. Man, we look like a speck of... <laughs> Ruby got married at the age of 17 and a half and lived in Arkansas until she was 21. At that point, she and her husband moved to Iowa, following her family to this part of the state for the job opportunities it provided. She was quick to share both the good and bad of living during this time of our history, and I really enjoyed my time spent speaking with her. Each episode, I share a new library resource with you. This episode, I want to draw your attention to our One Book, One Independence webpage, filled with information about our programs for this year. We have programs continuing throughout March, both in person and virtually, for a variety of age ranges. Also, be sure to sign up to track your progress completing programs and activities using Beanstack while you're on the website. There are a variety of prizes available to children, teens, and adults, and completing certain activities on Beanstack ensures your entry into the prize drawings. To find the One Book, One Independence information, visit our website at www.independenceia.org library, hover over Programs and Services, and click on One Book, One Independence 2021. Links on this webpage will take you to specific event information for full details about each event or program. We hope you can join us throughout the rest of the month.
Thank you for joining me today for this episode of On Reserve. Be sure to check out our website for a full transcript of both Dale and Ruby's interviews. That's at www.independenceia.org library and click on podcast in the middle of the screen. I would like to thank the following for their help in getting these histories recorded during this odd time in our lives. Diane Hepke and the staff at Lexington Estates and Amanda Allen and Kristen Mast with ABCM were all instrumental in getting this project done. Thank you for your time and logistical help. I'd love to hear what you, the listener, think of our podcast. You can email me at podcastipl at gmail.com with questions, recommendations, feedback, or requests. Join us back again in two weeks for another episode featuring histories from three more individuals who lived through or near the Great Depression era.